Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. And before we jump into the really cool stuff that we're going to bring you today, we have a super important message for you. Did you hear that Brilliantly Resilient, the book is out in the world and it landed on the top 100 bestsellers list. That's where it debuted. We're so excited. Go get it at amazon.com. Search Brilliantly Resilient and you'll see it in Kindle and paperback. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Kristen Smedley with my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo. And we are so excited to bring you our new friend today that I got to tell you, I'm very excited that we've got Kristen and Christian in the house. And we're going to say Kristen and Christian Brilliantly Resilient five times fast. See if you can do it. No, I'm just kidding. We're getting the party going here with Christian Delawerta. I'm a Philly girl. I put a little Delaware in there, right? Delaware top. Nice. And he has, uh, for those of you watching on our Facebook show and YouTube, you can see behind him that he's got the cover of his book, Awakening the Soul of Power. Those of you listening on the podcast, you can just imagine those words, <laughs> Awakening the Soul of Power. We're going to dive in to an extraordinary conversation today because I've got this issue with this word power. I am still trying to understand about stepping into it, stepping away, all that good stuff. But first, we wanted to read you this quote about Christian and his work from none other than Gloria Estefan. Stop the madness. How about that? Okay, so Gloria says, Gloria, like she's my buddy, right? She's our pal. She says, Christian is a balm for the soul of anyone searching for truth and answers to life's difficult questions. So Christian, please solve all our problems. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. I appreciate it. We're so excited to have you. And we were chatting a bit before we started. And one of the things that I I noted in, in reviewing your materials was that to get to this book and to and to really come to this sort of culmination of what you've been doing, you you have these like, gosh, this is taking so long. Have I missed my window of opportunity? And we just said beforehand, isn't it funny how God makes things land exactly when they're supposed to? So get into that for us. Well, exactly. Like, and and not usually on our schedule when we think things should happen. Um, so you know, it's it's about learning how to trust. Um, oh, and, that's, know, a like, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. And there's a whole chapter on that and what that means and, and how it's a powerful thing to learn how to do. Um, and, and, and counterintuitively, like the power of surrender, like when we surrender into that, how powerful that is because we confuse surrender with giving up our power and you know, throwing in the white flag. It's actually incredibly empowering. And, and we discovered this collaborative um, relationship with the sacred, with life, with the universe. I love wow. that. I, I believe it or not, you really hit home with me because I did a TEDx talk and the title of it was called The Power of Giving It Up. Mm-hmm. So I am right there with you on that one. 
Yeah, and by the way, you you I you I love how you speak about the superlative police. <laughs> I am so with you on that. I I hate the way that we use the word awesome because it, it's like it becomes so trite, like you said, and, and it's like it is such an incredible word to be filled with awe. Yeah. And, and how and try it's become because we use it like toss it all over the place. Oh, yeah. And I'm it. still guilty. I mean, I still use it colloquially, but I think, you know, to get back to Kristen's point about power, if we recognize that even in our everyday language, there's a something to to that. There's something to be found there. So let's get back to the the discussion on power. Yeah, and 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 I'm and I understand. Kristen. And by the way, I was also touched by, by your personal story with your sons. It's like, oh, it really touched my heart um, oh, on your TEDx talk. So yeah, we, a lot of us, I would even say most of us have an ambivalent relationship to power. We don't know what to do with it. You know, part of us wants it. Part of us is afraid of it. We fear that we might abuse it. And no wonder, like all we got to do on any given day, turn on the news, read, glance through the morning headlines, and we're witnessing countless abuses of power. And so, and then on top of that, we've been, we've been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing, right? Like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So what good heart a person wants to be corrupted? But what they forgot to tell us is that that quote originally was intended, the conversation was about political power, not the interpersonal power that we're talking about. Throw into that mix the fact that we've been conditioned to, to fear the emotions. We've labeled the emotions weakness. And so we avoid conflict. We're terrified of confrontation. You put all that together and what, what happens? We, we end up saying yes, when inside it's like, heck no. And, and so we override our true feelings, our, our desires, our preferences, our dreams, in order to, you know, to sell out for, for illusion of security, for morsels of pseudo love. And it's not a very effective strategy. Wow. So you're totally singing my song here, Christian. And I don't know that I would have been able to, I, I love that we're meeting right now because even just seven months ago, I would not have fully understood what you're saying because what, what Mary Fran had added to uh, among the, the many things that she's added to the brilliantly resilient process as we were diving through how we came to be this way. One of her biggest things that she taught me is aligning your life and your choices and your reset and your rise with your core values. And I realized that I had been doing a lot of external um, uh, influence and, and making choices based on what I was supposed to be, as opposed to what is inside true to me. And when just through going through this, the episodes of creating this show over the past year, it really, I was able to start thinking in terms of my core values and, and getting my power there. And I just was counseling a friend of mine this morning about this. She has these big decisions to make and she's scared to death for her family and making, and I said, just go inside to where you're aligned right. And, and then it always ends up the way it's supposed to be. But I, I would not have believed that had I not lived that whole experience with really getting in touch with was at my core. I, lo I love that. And, and one of the chapters that I talk about, one of the paths to, to soulful power or to spiritual power is congruence, you know, the path of congruence, which is exactly what you're talking about. Congruence means when the 
when what we say and how we act is a match with who we are inside and what we believe and what our values are. And so that's exactly what you're talking about. So powerful. How did you, when we, when we talk to people, we like to kind of hear their backstory a little bit. And we, we ask about this, the whole reset, where that came from. The reset to us is kind of the sucker punch. We call it a sucker punch. And it's not always blindness or heroin as, as Kristen and I have had to deal with, but most times there is a moment in someone's life that kind of makes that sort of transformational like pivot place and gets you to your brilliance, which is which is where you are now. How did this originate for you? How did you get to this place? That's a great question. Now, I think for me it was approaching the dreaded 3-0. Um, I don't remember that number. <laughs> that was a long time ago for Mary Frances. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, I had a, an enjoyable life in my 20s. I had a nice cushy job and condo on the water and sports car and my, the Armani suits and sought after socially and professionally. And yet, the more I had, the more that it seemed that there was something missing. Like there's got mm-hmm. to be more life. And, and, and I even got to the point that I had like this expanding hole in my gut. And then I realized that that what was missing is that it was it's what Chris was talking about, right? Like the the inner my inner core values. I had neglected my my spiritual essence for my twenties. I kind of threw out the baby with a baptismal water because the religion in which I was raised didn't have room for me. Let me guess, was it Catholic? Yes, Mary <laughs> Fran. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of figured. Two, two tribe members here, with right, with, right there with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's when I started exploring. Um, you know, I, I I looked towards the east. I looked at um, indigenous traditions, and and you know, I guess now I'm in this spiritual but not religious category. But little by little, realized that that's what I was missing, and began to explore and began to learn meditation, learned about breath work. And I was on a track to get a PhD in psychology. My dad was a psychiatrist. I come out of the psychotherapy tradition. And, and with all due respect you know, to that tradition and the right hands with clear goals, it can definitely be healing and transformational. And we all know that you can sit on somebody's couch rehashing the same old crap mm-hmm. and nothing happens, right? Because what the thing is that that understanding what happened to us when we were five or 10 or 15 is good but not enough most often because the trauma now lives in the body. It's been somaticized. So no amount of talking is going to get to it. It's one of the reasons that I switched over jump tracks to breath work because it bypasses the mind and and clears the trauma at the source, at the cellular level. You said breath work, right? Yeah. Breath work, breathing breathing practices. You know, it's interesting. I've realized I've been I've been conscious of this now as I've been on this this four year journey in the past four years with with resetting my life after a horrific divorce. <laughs> Some days going back in to the horrific, but that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> and I realized I don't know who it was that pointed it out to me, or maybe I had been listening to something. I hold my breath when I'm stressed out or when I'm in the moment of that sucker punch, and I hold it for a long time. Yes. What is that about? And you're not the only one, right? It's it's right as before, like a stressful moment or in the middle of a heated argument, 
or when we're afraid, like the emotions come up and we swallow our breath, we stop breathing. And that's what anchors all that trauma into the body. I can remember when I was in the middle of the episodes with all the years with David uh, and his, my son and his heroin addiction, I would wake up at night because I was holding my breath in my sleep. Like, so this is profound. I mean, what you're saying, I would, I would suddenly like wake up gasping because I was holding my breath in my sleep. So this is profound. And I really like what you just said about this breath work bypasses the mind and goes right to the source. So tell us a little bit more about that because I've, you know, I say all the time, one of our greatest blessings as humans is our mind. One of our greatest curses as humans Ooh. is our mind because Ooh. as much as it can help us, it can get in the way. So it's, let's it, get into that a little bit. Yeah. If we don't understand how the mind works and, and how it limits us, it's like we get stuck in its self-made prison. So it's critical. Um, when I do my retreats, you know, when I'm able to do retreats, which I haven't been able to now for a year, there's two constants. One is understanding the, the mind, the ego mind, and how it works and how it limits us so that we can break free from its prison, from its self-made prison. The other constant is breath work because I've yet to come across anything that heals us profoundly and as quickly and in so many levels. It heals not only emotional trauma and you know, like I'm talking serious stuff. I worked with people over the last 30 years that, you know, experienced really dramatic stuff, mm. rape, sexual abuse, etc. And it works. And and it heals even physically. And I know that st- sounds too good to be true. It's not a rational thing to my rational, logical, more skeptical mind. It still doesn't make any sense 30 years after the fact. And yet I can't argue with the results. It works. And what used to be spiritual teaching that everything is energy, now we know from quantum physics that it's true. Everything is energy, the bo- including the body, including the emotions. Energy cannot be destroyed. Physics. So that's what happens when we, when we swallow those emotions. They just don't go away. right? They just don't dissipate. They, they get stuck in, in the tissues of the body. And after years and decades and a lifetime of swallowing our emotions, and, and, and what happens is we walk around with layers upon layers upon layers of emotional crap, of, of suppressed emotions and unhealed past trauma that we never really worked through. And then here we are trying to have a relationship in the present moment. It's all getting filtered through all that crap. So it's no wonder that more than half of the, the marriages in this country end up in divorce. We haven't been taught how to hold, how to approach relationship and we certainly haven't been taught how to clear that emotional crap so that our relationships can actually have a chance hmm. wow so, so here's one of the things that that immediately kind of came up in my mind as a roadblock when i think about at least the traditional idea of of getting to the trauma and all that like i don't want to go back there I don't, I don't want to relive that. And I think that's why people push it down. So mm-hmm. how does the breath work or does it help you to clear it out without making you relive it? Because I, mm-hmm. I ain't reliving that. I'm not going back there. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I and that's, that. why, that's why I write that, you know, this book is part of a series of three, which is titled Calling All Heroes, right? Because this is, this is not for the faint of heart, like 
like thinking about why we do the things we do, why certain things trigger us and others don't, what are looking at our patterns of behavior, being willing to face our inner demons is nothing short of heroic. And so, so yeah, you know, some people do go back and, and, and re and relive stuff from the past, but it isn't in vain. It's worth it because, because the reward for doing, being able to do this, this work on ourselves and being willing to face, face ourselves the reward is freedom, right? Otherwise, if, if we don't do this, we're always going to be stuck in these repetitive, unhealthy behavior patterns that sometimes feel like we're in the same boring play with a different actor. And so, so why do we do the things we do? Why do we sabotage ourselves? Why do we sabotage our relationships? Sometimes even before the get-go by attracting and falling for people who are not a match or people who are not available. Mm -hmm. right? So, so it's like, for me, there's no way around it. Yes, it's heroic and it is infinitely worth it to be willing to do this work because also we, we learn how to connect with our power to go back to what Kristen started saying and how to find ways of expressing it that are congruent with who we are. So you just, I literally this week have been praying for a reframe in my mind and you just did it for me about how I am approaching a relationship that I'm in because I have noticed that I now know my triggers. Like I'm, I was like kind of getting proud of myself. I know my triggers from a 20 year horrible marriage, right? So I know the triggers in friendships, in dating, whatever. I know my triggers. I know all these things, but I was still beating myself up about God, I'm going to be 50 this year. Why am I going back to that? you know, okay, great. I was triggered again. I don't know what to do with it. I was, I was kind of driving myself crazy being down on it, but you just said it's heroic to yeah. be able to notice that and work through it. And you using the word heroic, you just completely reframed it for me that, oh, I'm on my own hero's journey. Yes. And it is heroic to be able to acknowledge things and then try to take an action step forward as opposed to Kristen, 50 years you've been figuring this out. So thank you for that. Of course. And, and yes, it is heroic. The willingness to do that. It's nothing short of that. It is a, it's a deep pool, but we're already in it. And I don't think we recognize that. You know, we're still, because we're treading water, as, as long as we hang on to this stuff, we're, we're constantly treading water. I mean, that's kind of the image that comes to me in my mind. And my nose is sticking out just enough so that I can breathe. But I'm not, I'm not swimming with any joy. You know, you're not, you're not, the, the, there's always an element that holds you back. And I, it's so interesting that you just said that, Kristen, because I'm not having that same experience, but I do find myself not necessarily immersing myself in things because I'm maybe afraid of what happened before and it's going to happen again. I don't know. I, I don't know. But when you do this work with people, what are the kind of things that you uncover? Is it stuff like that that's keeping them from really experiencing life now? Is it is it clearing you know past traumas so that they can create something new i mean where where does that lead in a lot of your instances yeah like like i mean so many stories i can tell you uh, but here's one that that's 
that talks about even the physical healing. And, and because that still blows my mind, how that just from breathing, all this stuff happens. So part of, part of the approach is understanding cognitively, right? Understanding why we do the things we do, understanding the patterns of our relationships. Because we, if we look at our relationships, there is one constant, right? One common denominator right here. <laughs> so, so, right. So if we want to like break through, and, and, and have a life that's brilliantly resilient. It's like, there's no way around it. We got to look in here and, and figure out what we, what our patterns and why we do the things we do. So, but, so this relates to a breathwork story. So my teacher, the, the woman that I learned this practice from, when she did her first session, she was just going to town breathing and you breathe in this way for about an hour, an hour and a half. And suddenly she heard the practitioner who was kind of sitting behind her snap her fingers and for some reason it triggered a memory she forgot about this when she was five i forget what happened but she got into an argument with her daddy and you know she got all huff and poof and she got in a huff and poof and she was going to run away from home and got on her little bike started pedaling away away and hit something a pothole or something fell over and broke her nose oh it was black and blue black and blue for like three weeks so at the end of the session she turned to the woman and she goes how did you know to snap your fingers that was brilliant timing it triggered this memory I'd forgotten about. And then I made all these connections about how that incident impacted my ability to trust men. And, and I saw all these patterns in all my relationships with men. And the woman's like, I didn't snap my fingers. What they figured yeah. out as they kept on talking about it, what she'd heard was the cracking of the bone. <gasps> the next day at 45, 40 years later, she got up in the morning and looked in the mirror, black and blue. I know. Oh, my God. Not for three weeks, but for two, three days while the body healed itself and, you know, corrected itself. How wow. does that work? Just from breathing. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. I know. I know. Yeah, it's really powerful work. And, it, and it's, again, it's the combination of understanding the patterns, right? So, so being willing to look at ourselves, which it's not fun. It's not comfortable. Like most of us, like, numb out. Right. And in, in all the infinite ways that we numb out mm -hmm. to run away from our emotions and to run away from facing ourselves, right? Whether it's drugs, um, like you know, like heroin or alcohol or or computer gaming or or sex or shopping or even exercise or, or workaholism, right? It's just all, all the ways that we are watching TV, all the things that we do to not think and not feel which we're brilliant at, but, but then we just get stuck. We get stuck and nothing happens and we get in these repetitive behavior ruts. So let me ask you this now, Christian, this could be way out in left field, but that's kind of my thing, I guess. <laughs> so it seems to be my pattern. So a couple of years ago, when this whole nightmare journey, I should stop saying nightmare journey. It actually has been a hero's journey that I've had. It's, getting out of the marriage and now into my, my life that I was supposed to lead. When I was really at the bottom of the pit, one morning I was like, when was I the happiest in my whole life? And what was I doing that I was looking for anything to recreate happy, right? And I remembered it was when I was 10 years old and I discovered my love of soccer, and ever since that morning that I figured that out, I now, well, we've had so much snow here in Philly that I haven't been at my soccer rink, but there's a hockey rink I go and kick a ball around in at least almost four or five times a week now. And it's like, it makes me 
when I have a big decision to make, I'll go kick a soccer ball around. I, I don't know if there's something to that. That was my most happiest and confident that I had been in my life. And that's when I go to make the, that's what I do now to make the big choices and to just work stuff through my mind. Is there, is, is there a piece of what you're saying that's in that somehow? Yeah, I think so. And I think, well, it's, you know, at several levels. I think one of the things that comes to mind for me is, is that it's, it's like a meditative practice for you. Like it pops you out of the mind so that you're just not ruminating and rehashing a thought, but it drops you into your body. And so you're like in the zone, you're just like being you. And it, and that's when intuition happens, right? When we get out of the head, out of the, you know, what the Buddhists call the monkey mind that, you know, jumps from thought to thought in the same way that a monkey goes from branch to branch. And so you're able to, when you drop into your body and you're just there with your, with your soccer ball, you're, you're present a hundred percent. You're not in your head. You're not fantasizing about a future and, and pondering what, how it's going to work out, hallucinating about a future that may or may not come to be. You're not rehashing, ruminating about a past that is gone and will never come to be. You're like in the present, you're in your body, and boom, that's when the ideas pop. That's when intuition occurs. Interesting. That's when creativity happens. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I feel like... I, I haven't done yoga, practiced, I shouldn't say done because yogis never say done. They say they <laughs> practice yoga, um, but I haven't done it regularly for a while. But when I was doing it, I will say that that idea, and, and I'm not by nature what Kristen and I term a woo-woo person, you know, about the woo-woo stuff, but, but... <laughs> Because I, you know, when you live with a heroin addict, you, you don't have time for that. You just you gotta get you gotta get real. That's right. That being said, in those times when I was, you know, struggling and experiencing that, and I would go to a yoga class, and we would just sit there and breathe. And I don't want to say not be allowed, but be encouraged to not do anything else but breathe. It really hooks you into an almost primal state of mind. Yeah. And is that what you're kind of going for there to allow things to then move internally and, and all of that? Yes. And any practice that's going to pop you out of the mind. It's like, you know, there's, there's a great metaphor like for, for, to help people understand the, the ego mind, right? Which, which there's a lot of misunderstanding about. If you put a, a baseball or a soccer ball in the center of a stadium or soccer field, that's what the ego is. The ego is, is our sense of self, our, our false sense of personality. Like this is Christian, that's Mary Fran, and that's Christian, right? It's, 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 it's like if you think of homo sapiens sapiens in Latin means humans or can be translated as humans who know that we know. So it's that ability to reflect back upon ourselves, which is what makes us so smart and the source of all our suffering at the mm -hmm. same time. So, so when we think about it from that perspective, anything that like, who we like we get we've gotten confused and we think we're the soccer ball we're the freaking stadium and we've allowed that tiny part of who we are to wow. think that it is all who we are wow so that's what practices like meditation that's not woo, -woo. like this has been done for for and i and i get i have you know the woo woo um <laughs> radar too and the bs radar myself uh, but if you think about it like the breath is our most faithful and our most loyal companion on this journey of embodiment. If you look at all the, most of the spiritual traditions in the world, and even some secular languages, the same word, one word can mean spirit or breath, depending on how we're, on the context. So, so from the Latin root 
speed out and we get both respiration and inspiration or expiration. In ancient Greek, pneuma, from which we get pneumonia, that word meant both lung and soul. So it's not, it's not woo-woo, not really. No, it, it, it isn't. And I've come to learn that, but I think that there in a lot of our Western mind thinking, I think that that's a barrier because we feel like we have to define ourselves as something that the, because, and it's that thing that the world sees, but that's not necessarily who we are. Right. And, and that's the beauty of, of this hero's journey is like the more that we go inside and, and discover who we are and connect with our own power, the less that we are. And so the stronger our sense of self, the less dependent that we are on external validation the less that we need anybody to approve who we are or what we do, right? So, so we, we kind of pop out. Like as we pop out of that, that limited sense of self of the ego mind and we step into the realm of the stadium, call it the soul or spirit or whatever, whatever you want to call that, then we step out of, of the world of false rules and, and self-imposed limitations, um, and the ways that we imprison ourselves because we're afraid of what other people are going to think or we fear rejection. It's like, no, we just, we liberate ourselves and we just get to be who we are, which is what Krista was talking about in the beginning as well, right? So we're freeing ourselves and stepping into our power and making brilliant resilience possible. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> that is, that's amazing. I, um, I'm, I'm thinking about, when you first started speaking, I thought, okay, well, so what does that mean for us living in everyday normal life? How do we, how are we supposed to um, align our spirit power and our thinking mind? But you basically just answered that question by saying what you do is you free yourself to act and think and live in this modern world that we live in, but do it in an authentic way that frees you from the constraints maybe that the world is putting on you. Is that kind of where that ends up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And we get to make up and create our own reality. Oh, I like that idea. Oh, boy. <laughs> do that all the time anyway. My child is going to say, daily. that's exactly, a daily practice right? around Very here. Friend world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Place. <laughs> let, let me ask you this, um, Christian, for, for folks that are tuning in, I think that, that I know that your work really speaks to our, our audience. That's why I wanted to, to bring you on the show. Our audience that is really in the midst of broken right now, in the midst of their dreams are broken, especially coming off of the year and still trying to come out of this pandemic and all that it did to break dreams and, and uh, aspirations and, and businesses and all. What would you say to somebody that just just received the diagnosis, just had to close their business, just, you know that that broken moment, that sucker punch moment? What would you say is is an action step? Is it a is it a a breathing practice? Is it something else? I mean, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but what's your what's your first inclination to say to folks? Yeah, and I love that question. I, I think reframe it first of all. Hmm. Right. So that it's like without minimizing the tragedy of COVID, it's also brought a lot of good and is still bringing and brewing a lot of good. So what what can seem like bad news and a, and a tragedy 
like, oh my God, you know, I, I, I lost my job, for example. It's like, what opportunities does that create? It's like maybe the job that I was in wasn't even was was sucking the very life force out of me. Or maybe it was something that was like, yeah, I was comfortable. But deep down inside, I knew that it wasn't a match for, for my essence, for what I'm really here to do for my inherent purpose. And so maybe what seems like a crisis right now, or even the end of a relationship like you were talking about, like in the midst of, of, of that divorce, it's like it feels like hell. It feels like the whole world is imploding on us. But look what came from it, right? Like you stepping into your power and you discovering who you really are. So, so first of all, reframe it. And, you know, one thing that we can count on is that life is going to continue throwing curveballs our way, whether it's another pandemic or the end of a relationship or who knows, right? A blind kid or a kid with heroin, who knows what, what curveballs life is going to throw our way. And, and when we, so we can, how are we going to hold them, right? Are we going to feel victimized and done to by life? Which is, which is a very disempowering place to be or what you both have done, right? Which is like, all right, that kind of sucked. I wasn't counting on that. And how am I going to show up in response? I like, like the and. I and. like that you just put and in there. And. Yes, and. it happened. You got to, I think a lot of times, I know at least for me, it's, it's the denying. Oh, well, uh, Mary Fran always says denying and distraction. You know, you kind of you are, are trying to like look in the other direction as opposed to looking right at it and making a, a step to move on instead of yeah. just avoiding and running in the opposite direction. Right. Like, yeah, you feel the feelings. We got to feel the feelings. So they're, like we're talking about it. They're just not going to go away. And we don't give our power away. Like we don't feel victimized by life. We, we look for the opportunities and, and have trust. Mm. Have trust, you know, rather than feeling like having this paranoid me against life or, mm. or what life did to me, or if it only wasn't because of my mom did this or my dad didn't do that or the minister or society or racism or sexism or, or homophobia, if it only wasn't for that, right? Something outside of us. That's disempowering by definition because we just give our power away again. So rather than doing that, it's like, all right, that didn't really like that. I wasn't counting on that. And... How am I going to show up in response, which reclaims our power, right? It brings it right back home. Like, how will I do, right? Because we always have choice. That we always have choice about. How are we going to respond to the situation, right? Which both in both your cases, you transformed a really difficult, unexpected, challenging situation into a very empowering situation. Wow. You know what? Down to the choice, right? It's choice. Changes everything and reclaims power. I want to share share this super short and fun and practical story that just happened the other day that that on a very, very like basic level describes what what you just said. My 16-year-old daughter is an extremely talented athlete. And the other night, she's she's actually a co-captain as a sophomore on a varsity team, right, for basketball. And the other night it was senior night and this girl that doesn't ever get to play was a senior. So they were putting her in to start. Someone had to get removed from the starting lineup to get her in, right? The coach comes to my daughter and says, because you are so much more mature than other people on the team, 
I am going to remove you from the starting lineup because I know that you can handle it. She's 16 and a sophomore. So of course that was this massive blow to her. She's like, you know, all power taken away. It should not have been her. It should have been somebody else. You know what she did? She decided when she got in the game to give everything she had to that game. And like you just said, reclaimed her power and she had the best game of her career. Amazing. What a beautiful example of that. And so there's another word that I don't know who coined it, but it's such a great word. It's the opposite of paranoia, like me against the world. It's pronoia, which is believing and knowing that, that the universe life has a collaborative relationship with us that has a vested interest in us being all that we can be and stepping into our power and shining bright and being brilliantly resilient. Oh my gosh, you just said, first of all, you're giving me so many lines and you're throwing them away like they're they're nothing because you're brilliant. You said life in the universe has a collaborative relationship with us. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's just amazing. I know, you brought tears to my eyes. It's so true when you go about it that way. Yes, and and it's real. This isn't like woo-woo, you know, new agey. It's how I live and it's magic. It is magic. I mean, Kristen and I have uh, really and truly, we have lived that. And and it is, if you open yourself up enough to, to let this in, it grows exponentially. That's it. And and all it all begins with like, like disidentifying with the soccer ball. Disidentify with the soccer ball. See, there he goes again. (laughs) I'm just going to call you up when I need like a, you know, like a little pithy little thing. I'm going to go, okay, Christian, what you got for me today? And re-identifying with the stadium. Like, we're the freaking stadium. That, see, no one has ever been able to help me understand this ego concept. Like, I get it to some degree, but now to have that visualization of I am that massive entity as opposed to that that brilliant little ball that I love so much. (laughs) It's it's the rest of it. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. Oh and so empowering. It's unbelievable. Now, I do not want to leave you yet without asking, again, if we can put you on the spot, is there any kind of a little exercise that you can give our listeners, viewers and all to just kind of get them started on this path? Is there a a, a, a way that we can think about our breath just in the, the moment? You know, if you if you can't isolate yourself and you can't take, you know, 25 minutes to meditate, where do you start? 15 seconds, like that's all it takes, right? But do it regularly Mm. for 15 seconds. Start out with them, then increase it to 30, then 45 seconds, and then a minute. But for 15 seconds, like you're sitting at your desk or you're stuck at a traffic light, notice your breath, right? So so rather than being stuck in the mind and and ruminating about the past or like thinking about what we're going to tell that nasty coworker when we get to the office, for 15 seconds, Presence, right? Just pure presence. Notice your breath. Start with with the breath, right? The breath is the key to to take us in there. So follow the breath deeper and deeper within. No thoughts. So yeah, you're going to notice your thought. Bring yourself back. Presence, right? So you can look around. Just sensory awareness. Notice everything. What's going on with you? What am I hearing? What am I tasting? What am I smelling? What's that breeze that I feel? Presence. And, And that's... That practice alone, if we do that regularly, just a couple of times a day, when we have so many opportunities to do that, that begins to pop us out. 
of the, of the soccer ball and we begin to step into the stadium, right? yeah. which is pure awareness. It's not, it's not in the past. It's not in the future. It's just in the present. It's not, it's not ruminating about thoughts or fantasizing about what we're going to tell, you know, so-and-so when we, when we see them next, it's just in the present. That's what, that's the only thing that is real. Ultimately, that is not a, a memory or figment of our, or, you know, the figment of our imagination or a projection, uh, a hallucination about something that may or may not come to be. Wow. We tend to think that the big challenges and the problems in our lives require big solutions. And what you're saying is that it just all begins with the breath. It the solution begins, with, begins the breath. with the breath. It's all about the breath. It really I love is. It. This has been an extraordinary conversation mm -hmm. and we all need to know more about you. So where can people find you and um, get your book? The book is available anywhere. Amazon, your local bookstore, you know, wherever books are sold. Probably the best way to reach me is my website, soulfulpower.com. And for your viewers and listeners, if they do a slash free guided meditation, after that, they get on my email list and then I'll, they, they receive a 20-minute guided meditation on trust, which is great. And like a power practices that will begin, you know, get them on their journey. Oh, I'm going for that. Like, I'm going to hurry up and I wrote it down. Like, I'm scribbling away here. I get trust on his email list. Thing. Trust is the muscle I've been trying to build, Christian. That's it. It's <laughs> a tough one for me. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And, wow. and it's doable. Well, this right. is it, it seems hard, but it's it's for the stadium. It's natural. Yeah, and I do have to reframe how I look at things with like saying trust is hard for me. No, it's just something that I'm I'm gonna now learn. You're stuck with me now, Christian. Congratulations. Oh, I, love <laughs> I, love I love you both. I'm, I'm gonna learn you. it with you. This has been brilliant. I mean, this is really has been incredibly helpful. I know for me and I'm watching Mary Franz light bulbs all go off and, and all of our listeners, because this has definitely, this is definitely going to be the game changer for so many people that are trying to go from broken to brilliant, trying to work through the strategies in the process. And you've really, you've really hit it home on how to take those first couple of action steps. I'm so glad that we met and, and that now we're going to be lifelong friends. I love it. No, I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm in it. <laughs> like it or not. <laughs> I'm loving it. And, <laughs> and I so I want to reiterate the quote from Gloria Estefan about when she said, you're the balm for the soul. I so understand why she said that now. And I appreciate that she said that. I appreciate the work that you do, Christian, and all that you gave us today. And for everybody that's listening, go check out, get Christian's book. And, and check out his website, get on that email list, and then let's have a, a follow-up conversation through our Facebook community about how these things are helping you. And if you have more questions, and then maybe we'll bring Christian back on to work through um, some of the stuff, because I know that a lot of people are going to want to be in tune to this now. So I'd thank you so much for, uh, for being with us. And everybody, go uh, after you visit uh, Christian's website, make sure you get to brilliantlyresilient.net and get on our email list to make sure that you receive all the follow-up stuff that we have from guests like Christian to keep you moving from broken to brilliant after those lovely life sucker punches that as Christian reminded us are gonna keep on coming. <laughs> Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Brilliantly Resilient Live. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. 
Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.